DNA technology continues to revolutionise police investigations with even touch DNA capable of being picked up at crime scenes. But of course, for DNA to be of any use in resulting in convictions, there needs to be a matching sample in the database. Most criminals, or, or shall I say the most successful criminals, are very forensically aware and take steps to minimise leaving traces of themselves at crime scenes. Similarly, most successful criminals will never have been caught and so avoided their DNA being added to the database. When DNA samples started to match other samples taken from scenes across Austria, Germany and France, it appeared that there was a crime scene happening across continental Europe. This is Murder of Crows. We start in the town of Ida Oberstein in 1993 where a 62 year old woman named Lisa Lotte Schlenger was found strangled with wire in her own home. There was very little evidence left at the crime scene meaning the police were chasing their tails from the very start. But thanks to the forensic thoroughness of the investigators, DNA was isolated from a teacup found near Schlenger's body. Now at this time DNA analysis was in its infancy, but the sample was preserved and the technology to analyse that sample became available around the turn of the millennium. So the analysis of that sample actually happened in 2001. Unfortunately there was no match in hunting for the perpetrator. All they knew was that the DNA was from a woman. Now female killers are rare so there should have been a step forward for the investigation but with little else to go on the case ended up going cold. Then in March of 2001, a 61-year-old uh, German antique dealer called uh, Joseph Walzenbach uh, from Freiburg was found strangled. 
There were similarities between this ki killing and the murder of Lisa Lotschlenger eight years earlier, most notably the death by strangulation in the victim's own home. Now DNA was found on a drawer in the kitchen and it didn't produce any match from the database but it was found to be a match to the DNA that was found at the Schlenger crime scene. So while there was no identity available the authorities were concerned that they may have stumbled onto two killings in the portfolio of a serial killer operating in Germany and it was a woman. Equal opportunities. Over the next few years this woman's DNA began, began appearing at other crime scenes including other murders. Now the study of genetic genealogy was also growing alongside other aspects of DNA analysis. So as well as knowing they were looking for a woman, they were also pretty convinced that she was from Eastern Europe. And while this was certainly a step forward, it was nowhere near enough to bring the subject pool down to a manageable number. So once again, with no matches in the database, the police remained a step behind this elusive lady criminal. One notable thing about the crime scenes after the murder of Walzenbach was that they weren't initially murders. They were predominantly robberies. In 2003, uh, an office building near Frankfurt was broken into and while very little of value was taken, the police noted that the break-in was a professional job. DNA was found at this scene and it matched the earlier murder scenes and was determined to also be from the person who was now being dubbed as the woman without a face. The change in the nature of the crime led police to postulate that maybe the woman was a drifter and a career criminal and perhaps the murders were attempted robberies that went awry. Her DNA was found on a toy pistol used in the robbery of a Vietnamese gemstone dealer in Arbois in France and also at the burglary of an Austrian optometrist as well as on, the vi on a vial of heroin that was found near a forest in rural Germany. So it seemed that this woman without a face was well connected across Europe with her fingers in many criminal pies, perhaps as part of a criminal gang. But the only DNA sample across all of the scenes was hers.
so if it was a criminal gang scenario it seemed that she regularly changed the accomplices that she used perhaps in an attempt not to be linked to other known criminals in the city of Worms in Germany two brothers had a violent disagreement which ended with one brother firing a gun at the other as you do and the woman's DNA was found on the bullet that was retrieved her DNA tied her to vehicles and burglaries across Germany and Austria so it seems she was now tied to the drug trade arms dealing and was a prolific thief appeals were made by police but no further leads came up and for the police by 2007 things were about to get much much more personal in the small city of Heilbronn on the 25th of April a 22 year old police officer called Michelle Kiesvetter who was a member of an undercover drug team uh, was just having lunch in her car with a colleague when two people got into the back of the car and shot them both uh, Kieswetter was killed and her colleague was left in a coma for several months following which he could remember nothing of the attack it was at this point that the woman without a face was also dubbed the Phantom of Heilbronn uh, because after the attack her DNA was found in the vehicle in which the attack had happened the police instigated a task force called Parkplatz which translates as parking lot in a concerted effort to find the woman once and for all now unfortunately their efforts produced no results and the phantom's DNA continued to turn up at crime scenes across Europe on the 30th of January 2008 her DNA was found in a vehicle that had been used to transport the bodies of three Georgians that had been murdered in Heppenheim, Germany and then in March uh, of 2008 there was a break-in at a disused swimming pool in uh, Niederstetten in Germany with the, with the Phantom's DNA once again appearing at that scene then between March and May her DNA turned up at a spate of home invasions across Germany and chillingly in October of 2008 in Weinsberg her DNA was found in the car of an auxiliary nurse who had been found dead in the vehicle so it seemed the phantom wasn't done with murder quite yet by January of 2009 the Parkplatz task force 
continue to hit dead end after dead end. And so the reward for the capture of the Phantom was raised to 300,000 euros. But then came the twist. A twist that would put Chubby Checker to shame. When the burned body of an asylum seeker was found in France, it was thought to have been the body of an asylum seeker who had been missing for several years. Uh, so DNA was taken to confirm. Now the DNA sample came back as being that of the Phantom of Heilbronn. But that DNA was of a woman and the asylum seeker, although burned, was definitely a man. Something was amiss. To paraphrase from Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Something somewhere had gone mammaries aloft. Upon analysis of the forensic pipeline of sample taking and analysis, it was found that the cotton swabs all the forensic services had been using to take DNA samples were from the same Greiner medical supply factory in Bavaria. Now those swabs, uh, while sterilized to destroy bacteria and viruses, were not irradiated to destroy DNA. And the mystery DNA that the Phantom had been leaving across Europe were actually from a factory worker in Bavaria and the Phantom of Heilbronn was shown not to exist at all. Ironically Bavaria itself had no crimes related to the Phantom because their swabs came from elsewhere. Actually it's a good job they found out when they did because I've got a mental image of poor Svetlana at her flat in Bavaria after a hard day making cotton swabs when the entire weight of the German authorities descend on her and drag her away before parading her as a criminal kingpin in front of the world's media. Sidestep the landmine there. The major change that happened following this gigantic clusterfuck was the implementation of a new standard across forensic services globally. ISO 18385 was brought in to minimize the risk of human DNA contamination in products used to collect, store and analyze biological material for forensic uh, purposes. Uh, which was the f world's first international standard on the manufacture of forensic consumables. And it outlined the requirements for the manufacture of kits and consumables for DNA analysis by the global forensic science community.
Now ISO 18385 is recognized internationally uh, setting the standard for the forensic DNA community. ISO 18385 is used by police forces and forensic science laboratories as well as the manufacturers for the forensic DNA community. It minimizes the risk of contamination of consumables used in the recovery and processing of DNA samples and therefore increases public confidence in forensic DNA analysis. So for once in one of my cases, lessons were indeed learned and changes were implemented. This has been a very different kind of case for me, but as soon as I saw it, it piqued my interest. It shows that even the most reliable and robust DNA analysis can go wrong. So you can never assume things, even with the usual reliability of DNA evidence. I'm going to dedicate this video to the Phantom of Heilbronn, who went from being an alleged female criminal kingpin to not having existed at all. Thank you for watching another episode of Murder of Crows. I'm Steve, and by now I'm sure you know that this per monster is Samson. And we'll see you when we see you.